Do you consider yourself resilient? And what does that mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with 241, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them as they share their inspiring stories and life lessons. What we've learned running our own businesses, you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from 241, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient. Well, I'm starting out today with a confession. I am unashamedly a massive fan of yours, Jamin. And if you were a musician, I would for sure be your groupie. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I have listened to countless episodes of your own podcast, The Insecurity Project, and of course, now rebranded as Unhindered. Uh, You are my go-to for my resilience manual. There's no doubt about it. So I feel really lucky and accomplished that you're here as our feature guest today on our podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs. Welcome, Jamin Fraser, a professional writer, speaker, and coach. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real treat to be here. Yeah, great. Look, can we jump right into the conversation at the deep end? Is that all right with you? That's my favorite place to start. <laughs> okay. So you've said that you believe the thing that gets in the way of success for humans is almost always one thing, and that's insecurity. What can you tell us about that? Well, I would say that with just one distinction that 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 may not be true before you are 35. In fact, it, it may be the performance-enhancing drug in your 20s and early 30s. Uh, I, I like to describe unresolved insecurity as rocket fuel. doesn't happen like that in every case, but a lot of the time uh, it is the prove and defend energy that causes young people to do their biggest risk-taking and their their most driven work and achieve things that previously had been impossible all because they're so desperate to prove or their their energy is against someone who said you'll never do that or you can't do that and that that is motivating to them that slight on their character or that slight on their identity but at the same time that's toxic energy it's energy against yourself it's not sustainable and so uh, if you're going to do good work in the world from 35 on, then there is no way that insecurity is going to serve that. Uh, that is now limiting your performance and will eventually lead to madness. So it, it is the number one inhibitor of, of performance for ambitious people from midlife and beyond. But thankfully, it's a solvable problem. So you talk about solving insecurity, but you're also in the other breath, say most people go through life, I love this phrase that you use, masking, medicating or managing. I mean, it just seems like such a a vulnerable subject and there's so much angst that gets built up with the fear of, you know, what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't belong? What if there's something wrong with me? So... I think the human condition is we all want to be good. We want to feel like we're decent human beings. We're just afraid that if it was all exposed, there'd be some shortcoming and something lacking or limiting. And so it's terrifying to have that confirmed. So most people run or hide instead and develop a lot, devote a lot of energy to masking, managing, medicating, insecurity. Um, it's very counterintuitive to actually turn and face it instead. 
but that is that's the most important adult work is to do that that thing to go back and review the narratives the limiting beliefs you've picked up about yourself in earlier years yeah it must be a massive hurdle for a lot of people to be doing this work that fear oh, I do. It is, and I, I say it all the time, most of my days spent coaxing scared kittens out from under the lounge with a saucer of milk. It's just, <laughs> it's going to be okay. You're going to, no, I can't. How could I possibly go back? And and people have devoted a lot of energy into separating themselves from the past. There's a lot of lightweight rhetoric around the past is the past. It is what it is. You, you don't go back there. What would be the point of going back there? You can't change anything. But that's, I mean, it's just all because people get so scared around reviewing that. I love thinking about this in terms of engineering terms. And if your operating system uh, was designed 20 or 30 years ago and had never been reviewed or updated, then there's no chance it's still performing relevant to your current outcomes, goals, desires. You know, even if it was a good operating system 20 or 30 years ago, there's no way it can still be performing optimally. So, of course, you're going to have to go back and review it and update it, especially if you want to perform at your best, achieve your potential, do meaningful work in the world. So and that's all it is. It's just an optimization process using your adult skills to do what only you can do and reviewing the limiting beliefs and doubts, fears and insecurities you've developed is, is the heart of that work. Yeah, that personal development is an ongoing journey, isn't it? I mean, it just needs to continue for for a long time that people need to take that time to go deep. I know certainly over the last few years, it's been a big part of my life too, is going deeper, understanding myself better. So how do you help people get over those things you were just talking about, like the imposter syndrome that so many people, especially in early stage businesses, when they're starting out in careers or in entrepreneurship, they often feel it's sort of the hardest thing to get over because you just don't feel that you're worthy, worthy of success. You know, how do you get over that? How do you help people start that journey? Yeah, the starting point is really key to understand. So using the language of the imposter syndrome as an example, when you consider that, it's really imprecise language. And because it's imprecise, it's it's very unhelpful. And I think it's part of the problem when you refer to fear as in as the imposter syndrome i had people tell me they are not insecure but they struggle with the imposter syndrome which doesn't even make any sense because an imposter is someone who is afraid of being found out i I am not who i say i am so eventually someone's going to see who i really am and calling it a syndrome says that it's outside of you it's happening to you you are not involved in it so it just removes you from any sense of control around the problem So to answer your question around how do I help, uh, it definitely starts with being precise. What is it that you are dealing with? What is the problem here? Are you sure you have accurately understood what the problem really is? And people imagine they have. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the imposter syndrome. That's accurate. That's precise. But that is not precise. That's very abstract and therefore not useful in, in any way, shape or form to resolving it. So to solve it, you've got to get more precise and see what insecurity really is. Otherwise, you have no chance. Yoda, named must your fear be before banish it, you can. So that is the starting point, the precision around understanding in the most minute detail what insecurity really is. 
Cayman, has there been a time in your life that you can recall um, and don't mind sharing that was pivotal moment of you recognizing your insecurity? Yeah, well, the distinction around solving insecurity is that, and, and back to your point, Laura, around ongoing personal development work, my, my conviction is that not only can you solve insecurity, you must, and, and it's possible to be completely free from insecurity at your current level of growth and to show up with no, no hindrance. And, but if you do that, and when you do that, you will take new territory and explore new horizons and step into a bigger space to play in, and therefore you'll step in new uncertainty and, and then bang your head on the limit of your narrative around, I can be this good, but not that good. I can go this far, but not that far. I can work with these people, but not those people. I can earn this money, but not that money. So, so there are times where I reach the limit of what my story has enabled me to do um, frequently and then break through that and then experience a, a period of great freedom and, and presence. But I, I think probably the most useful one to describe would be the first time I really uncovered insecurity because I didn't consider that I was an insecure human. I was a church pastor for 10 years, got given the leadership of the church that I grew up in, and I was well-liked. I was good at what I did. I was wholehearted in that world. I'd reached the top of that world, big, uh, you know, Christian extended family. And so as a pastor in a Christian family, you know, I'm the hero. And so the status of getting to lead a faith community as a young man and and do good work there. So okay, I'm doing what I was what I feel like I was born to do. It's working well. Okay, great. Um, but then I get introduced to the coaching skill set and I'm I'm stopped in my tracks. I realize this is a missing technology. I'm convinced that it's important to participate in the journey of transformation, whereas in my experience of Christianity, so many people were trying to outsource the change work to God. You know, if I just have faith, if I believe, if I pray, God will magically zap me, fix me, solve all my problems. And I thought that was such a strange way of thinking, but that was the prevailing thought. And so when I got introduced to the coaching skill set, all about choice, responsibility, awareness, I thought, my goodness, this is a missing technology. This belongs. So I was compelled to go study and learn that and very quickly went, this is me. And I was a good pastor, but I think I could be an excellent coach. And so then off the back of that conviction, stepped out into the world around all right, starting my own coaching business and thinking this will be easy. This is makes so much sense. But as soon as I step into that unknown world, this mountain of insecurity, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, but who am I here? I have no platform. No one knows me. I have no right to open my mouth. What if I put stuff out there and people don't like it? This doesn't work. What would that reveal about me? So that was the most startling experience of insecurity that almost stopped me in my tracks completely because I was so shocked and weakened by that fear. And so that really began the process for me to go, is this solvable or people just manage this stuff is, is this just universal you just have to deal with it everyone's got this you just feel the fear and act anyway and i just didn't like the thought that that was my only option and so that began the quest to go has anyone solved this and turned out i found that they had just didn't seem like anyone had modeled the solution so that was my work to create a model around this so that i could use it and others could use it so long answer to your question but yeah that that first time 
uh, first stepping out into my experience of business was the most terrifying experience of insecurity. Sounds it. And you were not leaving something that you weren't enjoying or that you no. felt that you'd outgrown. Or it, I mean, it sounds like everything was going well, but you just wanted to, to do better. You wanted to do more. You wanted to reach further. Is that is that an accurate? That's exactly how it was, yeah. I just thought, yeah, this is an, the next step, the next evolution in me being me and doing good work in the world. This is a natural step. Not everyone thought that. In, in fact, there was probably no one in my world who thought that was the good next step for me to take. Mm. Um, but I, I knew that it was right for me. So that that also increased the insecurity, the fact that I'd lost all my cheer squad and yeah. now I had to look internally for resources around whether I'm doing the right thing or not. So another key component of uh, why the insecurity really showed up. And was there ever a time when you second-guessed it and maybe regretted that decision? I definitely second-guessed it early on because it was much harder than I thought and I got a lot scarier than I thought. Um, I've, I've never regretted it and that's that's the truth because I, I think the idea of success in my mind is being true to what's inside. So even if it's costly, I've never regretted listening to my own heart or you know, going where the life is and so... It was much harder than I thought, but but still always worth it and to, to experience the great growth and then to be able to feel like I was being useful to a bunch of people that was expanding, that there was so much life and excitement in that process as well that, no, there's not been a day I've regretted following my curiosity and my heart into the coaching world. Yeah, and when, when was that? Like how long ago did you start? Uh, 2010 was when I was first introduced to that. And I tend to make change quickly when something makes sense to me and I can see a practical application, I'm, I'm all in quite quickly. So, And the fun of the coaching world is that there's no barrier to entry. So I literally called my wife day two of my first coach training intensive and said, I'm going to start a coaching business. I'm going to quit my job. I was working as a school chaplain at the time as well as a pastor. Um, I'm done being a chaplain. I'm going to be a coach. and just let's go, let's let's go all in. And she cried. She thought that was a crazy idea, but I said, no, I've got this. This is going to work. But it was so much harder than I thought. <laughs> and 20, 20, 13 years on, you've written five books, and no doubt some or all of those are bestsellers. You're traveling the world speaking, heading off to the U.S. this year, mm. holding retreats. So it's uh, interesting, the power of conviction. I, it really is. And there have been times along the way where it felt like nothing was working and that no one was listening and that I was not making a difference anywhere and that I'd run out of money and this was not sustainable. And those moments were really pivotal because processing, okay, what do I do from here? And uh, how do I end this suffering that I'm experiencing by not having success in business that I thought I was going to have or that it was going to work? And just remember thinking, okay, well, quitting what I feel born to do doesn't make things any easier. If I go be a plumber, which I'm not good at and don't enjoy, I'll still suffer. I'll suffer more there, at least here. This is what I'm good at and what I love doing. 
I haven't worked out how to make any money yet, but uh, it's still my best plan. <laughs> it's still the thing. And if I sell out here, if I get to a point where this is too hard and I can't do it, um, that doesn't mean the next thing's going to be easier. In fact, I think that'll be worse to do something that I know is not me. So those kind of key moments sustained me along the way to go, okay, uh, just do your work, Jamin, just keep showing up. And I think that that has served me well over the years because then I just kind of get over whether it's working or not and just go back to being wholehearted and um, keep producing content, keep writing, keep speaking and I was saying off air before we started recording that um, a lot of my clients have watched me for years before going, okay, you seem like the real deal, Jamin. So the client journey sometimes has been up to five years of people just watching, reading, listening, and I'd have no idea that they're even engaged and then they're ready. So that's lovely to hear that if I'd given up along the way, then I would not have been able to provide an opportunity for these people to be ready for change when they were. Yeah. I mean, as marketers, we definitely understand that because we'll say, you know, they need a certain amount of touch points that people need to have with you before that they're going to buy or engage with whatever you have, your service, or your product. And it can take years, like you said, somebody following you, watching your content, reading your books until they're ready to take action at the right time for them. And, and that's why growth in businesses can be um, exponential, right? It can be really, really, really slow. And then all of a sudden it's like that hockey stick, it starts going up. And no one really knows when that that curve is going to be, right? You don't know. It's different for everybody, but it takes that consistent work. And I'm sure for you, writing the books has made a big impact. So tell us like what writing books has done for your, for your business and for what you do. Yeah, well, I think it's a big piece of credibility. So you're, okay, you've done the work around consolidating your best ideas on a subject, had it published, put it out there. Okay, so immediately if someone writes a book you consider them a thought leader on on the subject and so yeah i think number one credibility but then then it's it's given people a lot of structure so i love thinking about the idea that you can't think a new thought about a subject until you have a new framework to hang that new thought on so i think it's just provided people a believable plan to go okay this is a solvable problem and here is a roadmap, here is a blueprint for how this work gets done. So uh, people have really valued having that solid thing in their hands to go, if I follow this plan, I'm I'm not special. This is not a special problem. This is a predictable problem. And when as soon as I can see it as a predictable problem and hear stories about other people facing this, well, then I could apply this and have the same experience as well. So the books have been able to give people a lot of confidence and certainty that they are able to solve these problems as well. Yeah. And one thing that's so important is to feel that community, that connection with others, um, which is often what you you offer. It's this, this is a problem that lots of people have, and here's some solutions to it. And speaking of, I, um, I had the opportunity to do your latest quiz, a scorecard that you have for Unhindered. And it was fascinating. It was really insightful. Um, and it's sort of a new-ish marketing tool, the scorecard marketing. Um, so could you tell us, our listeners, a little bit about what that, why you have it, what it's been useful for, and also what insights do you get from the people that take it? Because, And as a person who take it, took it, I got a 72% score, which I thought was pretty good. Right. Yeah? 
Not bad, but there's definitely areas I recognize that I need to work on in insecurity. And it was great to get that insight and dive a little deeper into myself because that's something I'm fascinated by. But tell us a little bit about the scorecard and, and why you're using it. Yeah, well, firstly, insecurity is a subject lots of people don't want to touch because it's really vulnerable. Uh, and then when they do touch it, it feels very abstract and hard to measure. So the scorecard to give some quantity and qualification to, okay, so how unhindered are you really? Where are you actually stuck? How is insecurity getting in the way? Would you like to see some data? And these questions have been designed based on over 15,000 coaching hours over 13 years. So there's some real patterns that can be identified. And if you can see how that applies to your life, then that helps you know where you are and then where you're going to go. So it's been a really useful tool. I've had a few different iterations of it over the years. The current one is your unhindered score. So just find out top performers, people who are really at, at their, you know, hitting their straps, are scoring 75 and above. That's the benchmark. And so that's, it can be a bit confronting to go, oh, wow, some people scoring 20s and 30s to go, wow, I didn't realize how catastrophic this was, but you can't change what you can't see. So to get some numbers on it, it goes, okay, then you're right. There is a real problem here. And now I can see what the problem is. I can now understand what the solution is. So I think a scorecard like that is so beneficial in identifying what, what is in the way and for the audience, when they feel like you understand their problem, they automatically assume you understand their solution as well. So I think it increases the trust. Um, for me, it, it's been the, the prime lead magnet. So when you think about the structure of a website, don't have very long to capture people's attention and more than their attention to capture some form of detail so that they become part of your community. So that's been the, the lead thing. They go, okay, um, you go test test yourself, take this test, find the score, and uh, and then they become part of my world. They get an opportunity to get my book and um, listen to my podcast, and then you, you know you get a chance to nurture that community and build trust. So it's it's a really great tool. I've I've really enjoyed it. The data enables me to gather is very useful, and I've found the market enjoys that. It's a it's a fun thing as well to be able to take a test and twenty five questions doesn't seem a lot but you can do a lot with 25 questions if you work hard at creating some high quality questions based on your experience there so yeah I, I really enjoy it I think it's very useful for my business yeah we'll be sure to share it in the show notes of this episode so people okay, can great. can take the quiz if they like yeah and what a greater tool as a resilient entrepreneur wannabe or if you feel you are already resilient to be able to measure it I love the, the measuring aspect of, of a scorecard. Yeah. yeah, so Jamin, unhindered, what is your definition of that? What do you mean by that? And what is the holy grail of unhindered if we were to achieve self-actualization? Yeah, I, I love the idea that it's the ability to be at your best where it matters most. So I think we all have magic inside of us and, and people often have experiences of that magic showing up, but not necessarily at the moments that matter. There's opportunities that pass people by like, oh, I'm just not ready or I'm on the back foot or I'm nervous or I feel like an imposter or I, I don't know, I'm just not ready. Whereas to be unhindered is to have nothing to prove and nothing to defend. It's just to be able to show up. I'm, I'm here and I know who I am and I'm able to contribute out of the overflow of who I am. So I love thinking about it as uh, there's no handbrake, there's no internal resistance. You have full permission from yourself to be you 
And often that's a big dilemma in, in the midlife season. There's this discord between conscious and unconscious, head and heart, mind and body. There's parts of you at war, parts of you want to succeed, parts of you are terrified, part of you are confident, parts of you are sabotaging, part of you are motivated, part of you feels tired. And so there's this hindrance, this internal hindrance, and you feel like you've got to manage yourself to perform um, and the great dilemma around that management energy is when you're in midlife, that's exhausting. To manage yourself requires extra energy, and that's fine when you're young. You can, you've got energy to waste when you're young. You don't have energy to waste in the midlife season. It's all about optimizing. So if your best energy okay. is going into improving and defending and managing, where's the energy left for growth and development and progress? So unhindered your best energy is devoted toward the most important things as a natural overflow of you connected to meaning and purpose and doing what you were born to do sounds like freedom to me just total freedom absolutely purpose and being doing what you were born to do do you help people find that it it sounds like that's in my experience um and personally and with people in my circle it's something that we'll talk about finding is the purpose something that you find talk us through that a bit Hmm. i got to do a a ted talk on the subject of purpose and i approached it by going okay in order to solve the purpose problem you will need to solve the insecurity problem first because what looks like purpose for a lot of people is actually an attempt to validate their existence so There are a lot of influencers and people who are drawing attention to the work they're doing in the world, claiming how purposeful it is, but it's still an attempt to go, look at me. I'll show you I am a good person by the work that I am doing. That's that's how you'll know that I'm good. Um, I'm convinced it cannot be our purpose to prove that we're good. That's Our work is to know that we are good. That's our work. And when you do that work, then you're free to connect with purpose. It's not even about you and is bigger than you. So I, I I love Rumi's quote, what you seek is also seeking you. So I think finding purpose, purpose finding you, sometimes it's it's hard to know the difference. But I find the people who encounter true purpose do so not because they need to, not because they're on, on a journey to prove they matter by doing good work. They already know they matter. They know that they are good. Uh, then they're free to actually show up and contribute in a way that's really meaningful. Yeah, so I, I used to have language. When I first started the work around insecurity, the language I used was I'm on a mission to eradicate insecurity. And then I heard myself say that one day on a podcast and vomited in my mouth a little. And went, <laughs> it's net, I'm on a uh, When people say that, you're like, oh, dear, here we go. I'm a cowboy, some messiah trying to save the world you you don't warm to people like that or messages like that and i realized for me it was still like there was some energy around proving and defending by this work um so that was useful for me to confront that and now it's like "Eh, i'm ruined for anything else it would be very unkind for me to stop talking about insecurity people suffer greatly for not knowing it's a solvable problem There are people sitting on incredible solutions to the world's most significant problems right now that are not bringing it out because they're afraid that they're not good enough or they don't belong. And so we're all missing out. We're all suffering. Our world leaders are some of the most insecure wankers alive uh, and we're suffering because they don't know that they don't have to be like that. So 
you know, rather than I'm on a mission to, it's like, oh boy, yeah, I'm, I'm ruined for anything else. I'll keep speaking about this subject and keep being wholehearted. This is not about me. This is bigger than me. Uh, and I, I must. So that, yeah, that's how I think about yeah. purpose. Yeah. It's a passion. You speak with such passion about it. And it is, I think, important for people to know that there are solutions. So what, what is the way for them to find the solution? Where does the solution lie? Is it within themselves, going deep, working with a coach, counselor? What, where do you th- think it lies? Hmm. Well, in, in my model, the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity, practice five is get help from someone who doesn't care about you. I think because insecurity is so insidious and so terrifying and and is built on it's built on a work of fiction that doesn't feel like fiction so the in, insecurities that hold people back are always developed in the first years of life often before seven but the brain finds evidence for whatever you believe is true so if you form these opinions about yourself when you're young then you'll just find evidence that that's true and then you'll develop a case that that is true and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy so it becomes very concrete and very evidence-backed and and therefore to see it objectively is so difficult so the value of having someone who's outside of you and who has no vested interest in your results that is really important because you'd imagine to solve insecurity you need someone who loves you and cares about you and believes in you and encourages you and holds you accountable that is not who you need Uh, that might feel nice but that person will get in the way And when you understand the heart of insecurity is actually your own opinion of yourself, that's what it is. You are not afraid of what others think about you. You are afraid of what you think about you. You just don't want it confirmed by the world. That is the heart of insecurity, your own worst opinions. You think you're afraid of failing. You're not. You're afraid of the personal implications of failing. Oh, yeah, if I was to fail, what does that say about me? You know, you think you're afraid of being rejected. You're not afraid of being rejected. You're afraid of the personal implications. If I was to be rejected, oh dear, what does that reveal about me, my lack, my inadequacy? So it's our own worst opinions about ourselves that terrify us and we don't want it confirmed by the world. So when you kind of understand the problem, then you realise, hmm, this won't be solved by someone else's opinion. If this could have been solved by someone else's opinion, my mum would have fixed this for me years ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Plenty of nice people tell us how wonderful we are. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just my mum. Or that's just, you know, that's what they always she has say. To. Yeah. So then back to the get help piece. We all need help. If you overlay the hero's journey metaphor onto the process of solving insecurity, the hero always needs a guide. There's always a wisdom character. There's a Gandalf. There's a Yoda. There's a Dumbledore. There's a Mr. Miyagi that helps guide the hero into their destiny and when you first see the wisdom character introduced your hope is is on their shoulders you think they are the one who's going to save the day because the hero is so fragile and so weak and so small but it's never the wisdom character they're always gone too soon and you're back to frodo from the shire who's got to save the world and you're like oh boy and so that's the same with insecurity um, you created these these terrible opinions about yourself and you will be the only one who can deconstruct them, confront them and replace them. And that'll be a journey into your deepest fear about yourself. You will need help to understand the process of getting there, but eventually you're going to have to be the hero in this story. No one's coming to save you. You're going to have to go work out once and for all, who are you? Are your worst opinions about yourself true 
or are they the assumptions of a scared child that you've just never reviewed and you have lived as though they are true? So, yeah, that, that idea of actually understanding what the problem is and understanding the general nature of how anyone solves this and what's involved is the, is the process for a predictable problem and the predictable solution. Yeah, a person building um, a business. This sounds like a lot to go to, you know, am I building my business or am I building me? And mm. can these <laughs> things be done in parallel? And yeah, I'll let you answer that. <laughs> well, especially for the solo entrepreneur, you are doing the same thing. Yeah, building you and your business. You are your business. Uh, you are your brand. You are your reputation. If you are solving problems with the handbrake on, then that's going to be bad for business. If you are doubting yourself, second-guessing yourself, assuming you, you're not good enough, fearing you're going to be found out, okay, well, it's not a big stretch to think that's affecting the bottom line of your business. And so, it, yeah, I, I think it's impossible that someone could really thrive in business, especially a business that is them bringing their essence to the world, solving a unique problem, creating a unique, a unique niche and a unique solution, and yet they're not sure that they've got what it takes or they're doubting their capacity to do that. It's hard enough running a business, let alone running a business with the handbrake on. And so, yeah, I think they are one and the same. Yeah, I think absolutely that often we do run a business with the handbrake on and we have that People say, fake it till you make it. And all those, I think, just terribly unhelpful <laughs> messages that we get when we're just still trying to figure it out. It's within the building of yourself, that building of your confidence, building of your business, building of your personal brand, like you just said, I think is really key. Because as I'm seeing a lot of evolution um, in technology lately, I mean, you know, we're all talking about it. And it's going to change. It's going to change the way we do business over the next few years, I think, rather drastically and rather quickly. So how do we continue to create, build, grow thriving businesses with all this massive change that's going to come? And I'm believing and thinking a lot about lately the importance of personal brand because people are still going to want to connect with people. So your brand as you, as, your, as a person, is going to be even more important to share. You can't hide behind a faceless, nameless brand because people are going to maybe not trust it as much because they're going to think it's all created by robots and AI. So how do you still connect with people? People will always want to connect with people. I truly believe that. So building a personal brand is going to be really key for any business, especially if you're in a service business, when you do talk face-to-face -face with people, you're going to need to show your face more and be. So you're going to need to step into yourself, into your confidence and, and work towards growing your personal brand. So I think it's going to be really interesting the next few years in how people are going to be able to make that shift where they can't hide behind a brand. They have to put themselves out there. Um, we have all the tools to do it. There's all the social media. There's all the content availability. Everything is out there. AI is going to make things easier to create the content and to get out there to write books, to write blogs and all these things. It's easier and easier. It's going to give us a lot of freedom, but it's also going to take a lot of personal development to get the confidence to put ourselves forward. Would you agree? Yeah, I really agree. And it's one of the ways I've thought about trademarking and protecting my IP and my branding, where lots of people have suggested the, the importance of that. But I think, well, uh, someone steals the name the Insecurity Project. Okay, that, that might be a little bit sad for a day, but they can't steal me. They can't replicate who I am or how I show up. That's 
that's no one can steal that. So I'll I'll go on. That is the essence of of my business. And I think about the importance of being wholehearted and in, embodied in my work. In fact, when I think about being a life coach, I, I used to resent the fact that there was no barrier to entry and I'm competing with people who've done a, a two-day course online and printed out a business card and now they're a life coach. But now I think, oh, no, that's, that's my advantage because people undermine themselves when they open their mouth. And I can, uh, if I've embodied my message, that's my gift to the world. That's what people are looking for. They're looking for certainty and they'll find certainty when they hear me speak and look into my eyes and just go, oh, okay, this guy is smoking what he's selling, um, showing up wholehearted. So I think that's an inescapable part of success and will continue to be successful. I think just one one more thing on that, the challenge is for people who go, yeah, but I'm just starting out, so how do I get there? Like I haven't lived this for years and years. This is the beginning of my journey. So do I have to wait for 20 years before I've got enough credibility before I'm going to be successful? And the way that I think about that is how I thought about my own inception point, the starting of my coaching journey, where I felt it was okay for me to start a business, a coaching business after two days of my coach training journey and why I thought that was a good idea. And the logic I had was, okay, already, like this is, this makes a lot of sense to me. And I was a church pastor, so I've already got a lot of skill set in terms of being with people and and the empathy and the, the skill of communication and the desire to be useful. So none of that's changed. Now I've got some better skills. And I've only just learned these skills, but already these skills make sense to me. And already I've thought about the application of that. So Okay, that's what qualifies me. It's not that I, I'm perfect or it's not that I know anything. What qualifies me is that I'm wholehearted. And, and the stuff that I know, I am wholehearted about applying to my own life. So I will not show up and ask someone to do something that I haven't done myself. I won't give a solution to someone that I've never explored for my own life. So as long as I am speaking out of my own experience, even if my experience is just beginning, that that's useful to people because there are some people who have not experienced any of this. So I will be further along in the journey than them and therefore able to serve them out of the overflow of my experience. And then I'll quickly reach the limit of that and that'll drive me to go learn some more. And then I'll have some fresh stuff to be able to share and I'll, I'll just need to be a little bit ahead and, and that'll be enough. So that wholeheartedness to me is a centre of a personal brand and people feel that, they understand that just as much as they understand faking it and no integrity and a, a not embodied work and people are not wholehearted and the hypocrisy of giving advice that you're not leaving yourself. And, and Jamin, to your point, I believe insecurity is worn on one's sleeve, just as one's heart is worn on one's sleeve. The wholeheartedness is, is valid, it's obvious, it's tangible, uh, uh, just as insecurity is. And if people are going into the world doing their thing and obviously insecure and not trying to not working with that or through it then their clients will see that and make their choices accordingly so as long as we're wholehearted about our own growth and who we are and what our place in the world then we can't really go wrong I guess no that's right and sometimes people hear me talk about insecurity and they feel pressure they go oh man another thing to do another thing to work on I've had these these conversations with my wife at times around when insecurity gets in the way in our relationship. 
And there, there's a, a conversation I can clearly remember where I said, uh, look, some of the insecurity that's showing up in your world is, is actually undermining the intimacy in our relationship. It's un- you are showing up at your most unattractive because of, of this insecurity. And her comment was, well, that's really hard because now you're putting pressure on me to change and I'd be just changing because you're telling me to rather than me wanting to change. And so there's so much pressure to which I replied, well, yeah, tell me a situation that has no pressure. Tell me a person who gets to work on their own stuff in a pressure-free environment. Um, there's always pressure. And and so, yeah, you're in a business and there's pressure to show up at your best. Yes, there is. <laughs> that That is true. And that's part of the fun of the game. It's high stakes. It matters. It's real. The, the great news around insecurity is if you can just zoom out a little and and see it as a universal issue, then it does dial down the angst one feels toward this problem because people experience their problems as complicated and unique. They're the only one who's had their past, the only one who had their upbringing, their woundedness, and so it just feels so insurmountable and unsolvable. But if you can zoom out and see, no, no one escapes their childhood without developing limiting beliefs. Even perfect parents do not protect their child from developing insecurity. And nor would they want to because that is the gift for the adult to go back and bring your best skills to yourself. You go into the gym, you don't lift air, you find heavy things and heavy things build strength. So the heavy things in your past are the opportunity for the adult strength. That's the game. That's how it's set up. So when you see that, you're going to realise, oh, okay, yeah, life's happened to me, not for me. Insecurity is there as an opportunity. Yeah, there's pressure. It's high stakes. If I don't deal with this, it'll ruin everything. True. Um, But I can deal with this. And it's a predictable problem with a predictable solution. So, okay, just get on with the business of eradicating this from my life. Wow. That really wraps it up. That sums it up. So all we need to do next (laughs) is look for your podcast, read all your books, and we'll be on the right track. (laughs) Thank you, Jamin. Uh, This is a great conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, it, I mean, I make it sound simple sometimes, but it is simple. It really is simple, simple and hard. I I tell, tell people all the time, it is such a boring problem. I am so bored with insecurity. I talk about it, write about it, read about it every night without fail. I have coaching conversations in my sleep. I watch myself run real like seminars on insecurity in real time and it's like, yeah, there's there's no surprise with this. There's never I never hear someone's story and go, oh yeah, my goodness, yeah, yeah, you're 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 screwed. Uh yeah, you're gonna be insecure. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's just part of the game. So yeah, it's simple. And that's important to hear that to go, okay, then perhaps you could get over yourself and realize you're not special, this problem's not special. And then yeah, you can trust the process that helps you show up to the world at your best where it matters most. And we all win. Yeah, I love that. Show up where it matters most. Um, We're going to leave it here, Jamin. I would highly encourage our listeners to pick up your books, any one of them. As I said in the intro, you are my go-to resilience guy. If I ever feel like I need some guidance, I'll pick up a book or I'll listen to a couple of episodes of your podcast and it is absolutely game-changing. And uh, 
We've also, in full transparency, I've worked with Jamin as a coach and it was incredibly helpful. So thank you. Thank you for your wisdom, for sharing it with the world. And uh, I just look forward to what the year has in store for you. We'll keep following you. Thank you, Vicky. That's lovely. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Lauren and Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 2for1branding.com.